You're listening to... No, that's not real. You're listening to The Heidi Rue Show. Yeah, that's better. Inspiring. Entertaining. Real. The Heidi Rue Show. Today on The Heidi Rue Show, we have got interior designer and blogger Anita. She has a blog called Cedar Hill Farmhouse, and she's also she also has her own podcast, too, with two other uh, bloggers. It's called Decorating Tips and Tricks, and we can talk more about that later on in the podcast. But, Anita, so one of the things that fascinates me about you and your story Mm-hmm. is that going back to when you were a little girl, because we can all relate to this, right? There are those things that you want to be. When people ask you as a little girl or a little boy, what do you want to be when you grow up? You tell them, you know, these ideas, and they're ideas that are free of fear. They're ideas that are free of, you know, no one's saying that you can't do anything. And you had one of those dreams, but it was kind of squashed a little bit. So can you tell me kind of that story and... And how you grew and learned from that? Right. Well, I, my, and my dad actually said, I don't care what you study in college, but I really want you to get a degree. He never finished his. So he felt very strongly, and I understand that. That was something important to him. And, uh, but, of course, he thought I was going to choose something completely different than what I chose. I could tell, because when I came to him and said, Dad, I know what I want to do. I want to be an artist. He looked like I had hit him in the face. And so he already had said I could do whatever, so he didn't say don't do that. But he said, well, you know, this is not going to be something that's going to support you. And, I, and, you know, I think a lot of times when people squash our dreams, they're not meaning to be mean. They really feel like they're being supportive. And, and this was pre-Internet, so it was difficult at the time to make a living as an artist, but that's what he told me. And, and I knew deep down that I really wanted a a beautiful environment and just living in a van down by the river with, you know, newspapers stuffed in the windows and, you know, wearing ragged clothing. I, I knew I couldn't suffer from my art that way. So I, you know, I, so it, it didn't, so he kind of squashed the idea of you can be an artist and make a living at it. And so I decided that I would, you know, choose something much more practical and then just kind of do the art thing on the side. So I became an engineer, which is kind of, an odd second choice. That's so opposite. (laughs) Doesn't that use something that's totally different part of your brain as an engineer? Well, that's right. But I liked math and I thought, well, why not? And, and it was, it was fun. And, you know, people don't realize uh, engineering a lot of times it's problem solving. So you, you can use your creativity in the problem solving, but obviously it's not as much fun as what I'm doing now. Okay, so tell me, like, I want to hear about the journey. So your dad told you at a young age, listen, and not not with ill intention, but just art is just probably not a direction that you want to go. So you were an engineer. When did all of that change, and how did it come about? Well, uh, so this is so I'm working in a paper mill. I'm wearing steel-toed shoes, hard hat, and this was one of the jobs I had. I worked several places, but this is just one of the jobs that I had, and I worked with a bunch of rough guys, and this is the 80s when, you know, nice girls didn't work in paper mills and, you know, as engineers, so I kind of had to, to be respected as an engineer, I had to just pretend I was kind of this rough person during the day, kind of tough, but really, meanwhile, on the weekends, I'm sewing curtains, you know, and, and picking out lacy things, and, and so I have kind of this double life I'm leading, so that's kind of what my life is like 
during this time I'm working as an engineer is this secret life on the side decorating. And really, that's what I realized once I got my own house is that I loved to decorate. And that was really my passion. So that's kind of what I did on the side. So I did engineering for a long time, and then we became parents. We decided, my husband and I, to have children, and our first daughter was born with Down syndrome and a lot of health problems. So I thought I was going to continue to work, but, you know, uh, Mike Tyson said, everyone's got a plan till they get punched in the mouth, and I got punched in the mouth. So my life changed, and I felt like I needed to stay home. I would have had to have hired a nurse. I mean, she was on two feedings and everything. So I stayed home with her. And then we had another child who was perfectly healthy, but lots of drama, you know, um, high-maintenance child who I adore. I adore my both of my children. But, you know, I was stressed uh, taking care of them. So I needed something creative on the side. And so I started a portrait photography business. And so I created a website for that and did that. And this was the early 2000s. But I felt like this wasn't, you know, it wasn't in the decorating, which is really my passion. So I did it for a while, and it just didn't feel right. Do you know what I mean? You know, it wasn't kind of the right thing for me to be doing or that, that my jam. So, so I thought, oh, well, let me take, you know, my, my practical side of my brain kicked in, and I said, oh, well, I have this experience creating statistics courses, and I know photography, so I'm going to create this photography course online. But again, this is the early 2000s. I created an online photography course when nobody knew wow. what an online photography yeah. course was. <laughs> so it was a big bomb. I mean, even though the people that took the class loved it, if you can't explain in a sentence what your product is, you're not going to sell it. So I'm kind of glad I just got my failure uh, done up front. Uh, and so I got this business failure. But, you know, at the time I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm not going to be, I can't be an entrepreneur. I'm a failure. But I didn't understand that that's just part of being an entrepreneur and that this, is, this was great, a great learning experience for me. But I didn't understand it at the time. So I then left that and decided, okay, I'm not going to have my own business. So, but I found this furniture store. They were looking for somebody uh, to help in the store. And I thought, oh, okay, now I'm going to go into the decorating stuff that I love. And they had a website, so I updated their website. And I said, oh, let's add an email list. All this stuff I had done with my photography business, I did for them. Let's create a blog. Let's do an email list and update your website. And so I did all this stuff for the furniture store, which I adored. And this is, again, before Facebook or Pinterest or Instagram. I was going to ask and you what the timing of that was. Like, when was yes, that? Well, so this was around, I'm trying to think when this was, but I started this. But yes, it was pre, it was pre all of that. So it was. Because really, yeah, blogs. Yeah, it was around 2002 or 2003. Yeah, that's really early. Because even blogs didn't really even take off until like, I mean, right around like 2000, I believe, nine or eight or whatever, more people okay. were starting to kind of understand what it was. But yeah, that was, you were like way ahead of the curve. <laughs> Well, I had a website, right. Well, then it was around 2009 that I actually started. I think I started working at the furniture store around 2003. So sorry if I'm getting these dates kind of messed up. But And then I started their blog, oh, I think it may have been around 2009 because I they the store closed in 2011, and I was so sad because I just felt like I was leaving all of this um, interaction, you know, online. And you, people didn't really post pictures of their house on Facebook at that point. 
in 2011. So if you wanted to share pictures of your house or something, you really needed a blog. So my friend talked me into starting one, and and I did. And, and I just loved having this creative place to to meet with other creative people and talk about decorating. Yeah. Now, I love what you talk about, like, at the beginning of your blog, um, because you said that no one would read it, not even your mom. <laughs> <laughs> she still doesn't. <laughs> That is hilarious. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. And then you were also, you submitted um, you submitted to a couple magazines, mm-hmm. right? And you were rejected. Yes. So what I want to know is what made you keep going after all that? One thing I think that was helpful was I'd already had this failure. So think about once you've had the measles, you're, you're inoculated about against getting them again. So I already had a failure, and so I wasn't inoculated a against another failure, but I was inoculated against a fear of failure. I had survived that early failure, and I thought, well, it just didn't even bother me that it might fail. So I didn't, it didn't even impact my decision at all. But the other thing was I didn't start it, Heidi, to, to make money or to prove anything to anyone. I did it because I had this burning desire to do it, and I had this creative passion that I wanted to pursue, and I wanted to encourage other people. And when I started that blog, I heard myself say, I was born for this. This is what I was meant to be doing. I was meant to be decorating. I was meant to be encouraging women, and I was meant to to be writing and, and photographing and talking about decorating. And so, really, it was like telling me, you know, me stopping it is like a fish stopping, you know, swimming in the ocean. I mean, this is just became a part of who I was. And so when the magazine told me no, I didn't see it as, oh, you know, I'm I'm just no good at this. I said, I looked at all the pictures I submitted and said, I looked at them through the magazine's eyes and said, why didn't they accept these pictures? And I looked at them and said, oh, yeah, they look like crap. You know, I, I, I kind of saw them through their eyes and realized, oh, I need to really work on my decorating. I need to work on my photography. And so every rejection, every disappointment, every negative thing that happened, I tried to learn from every one of those. What you just shared is invaluable wisdom. But the cool thing about it is, is that right now we're talking to you and you are successful. I mean, you have a super successful blog. You have now been in over 20 magazines with three covers. And not only that, but you were also one of the winners of the Dash and Albert, which they do amazing, amazing rugs. Oh, my gosh, they're incredible. But you were one of the winners of their rug design contest last year. Anita, that is so huge to be able to kind of look at this huge trajectory now. And I think it's so important for us to be able to hear from, you know, people like you in, in your journey and to be able to see how you didn't let fear stop you and you learned from that. I do want to ask you, you said that you really learned from some of these uh, failures or some of, you know, the rejections or whatever. So what were some of the lessons that you feel like you learned the most that were most beneficial for helping your blog succeed? Well, I mean, I learned to build a community. I learned to serve my readers. I learned that it wasn't about me. It was about my readers and that I needed to serve them. I learned to do surveys, and I love to bake, but I realized that my readers hated, uh, I wouldn't say hated, but they didn't want 
uh, recipes from me. So when I saw that those posts weren't doing well, I said, okay, you want decorating, you're going to get decorating. You want country French, you're getting country French. <laughs> and so I think if, you, if you're a blogger, you want to find what it is that you want to do and what your readers want from you and find where those uh, connect, where they intersect. And that's your sweet spot. That's what you want to provide to the readers or the listeners of your podcast or of your blog. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that the future of blogging is going or headed? Well, it's clearly diversifying. I, I don't. I mean, every year they announce the death of the blog, and it hasn't <laughs> happened yet. So I think long form is going to stay there. But I see that things. I know page views. I think for most bloggers are down, but still blogs are vital, and people are going to blogs. I think what's happening now is people are spread across in Instagram, Pinterest. Facebook, so they, uh, they, you know, pull in their content from all this social media and from blogs. So I, I see the blogs sticking around, and then audio. I think audio is huge. So I think we're going to see more bloggers getting into podcasting. And so I see blogging kind of expanding into other, into the audio and then into the video, and it's just going to kind of work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the posts that you did on your blog, I really loved it. It was one of your recent posts, but it said, decorating what I wish I had known. (laughs) I love it. And you shared four things that you wish you had known about decorating. Can you share those with us today? Sure, sure. Uh, I think that, you know, back in the day, people liked to do the matchy-matchy things. You would go to the store, and I know when my parents bought furniture, you went to the store and you bought everything that matched together, the chairs, the sofa, the coffee table, the end tables. You'd buy it all together, and everything was exactly the same fabric. Everything was exactly the same wood, and that's the way it was done. But then when you put all that into a room together, there's no tension. It looks too much the same, and so that's two of my lessons is make sure your wood you know, your wood stains don't have to match, so go ahead and go with some different wood stains so you've got a little interest in your room. And then even with your fabrics, the second tip is if you're going with fabrics and say you want all blue and white or you want some fabrics that work together, that's great. But kind of throw in something that maybe is a different color or something that wasn't necessarily meant to go with those other fabrics. So again, so you add a little tension. You want to add a little interest in something unexpected. So I think that's the second thing. And the third thing is to don't worry about being done with decorating. I'm always changing things up, and that's how you learn. You learn by trying different things. If you want to be a great writer, write every day. You want to be a great decorator, you want to decorate every day. So change something up. And so it's okay to not be done decorating. Just move things around, and it doesn't even always require a purchase. You can just move things from one room to another room. And then the last thing, of course, applies to the mistakes, that that mistakes are part of the learning process, and it's okay. And I did want to add something because, you know, when I used to do uh, these courses, when I used to create the statistics courses, I learned or I realized that you could learn almost anything. You could teach yourself almost anything with two pieces of information. The first is you need to know when you've messed up when you're doing something. And then the second piece of information you need is you need to know how to fix it. So if you can get those two pieces of information, you can teach yourself almost anything. That is so true. I mean, it's so simple, but it's it's so true. 
Um, yeah, and I'm sure you've learned that with podcasts. Too. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I still make mistakes. I mean, I made mistakes uh, here on our very own podcast. So, yes, I make mistakes, and then I figure out, okay, how can we fix it? How can we make it better for next time? Um, and I want to say, Anita, that I'm actually going to take a clip of what you just said, and I'm going to um, save it to play on command for my husband, the part about never being done decorating. <laughs> Because he hates it. There are morning, like, especially on a weekend when, you know, I don't have a ton of things on my to-do list and I'm able to actually get up and have some coffee and relax. He knows because as soon as he gets up and comes into the kitchen, I'm like, okay, honey. So I jotted out um, how we can expand the kitchen. And I was thinking that we could do this type of cabinets here and this type of light fixture. And he's like, oh, my gosh stop like really I love you you are oh wonderful my gosh it is ridiculous he's like Heidi it's fine the way it is and I'm like yeah but I mean it's okay now but now I just want to do more things and I was thinking about this and we could do this and yeah so you know, I'm gonna play that people our brains we're just it's just always going we I can't know stop it. I know and then once you get it in once you get that vision in your mind it's like I, I can't get rid of it like I can't mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. I got to do it. <laughs> I know. I know. So we said it's like stuff that we shouldn't do or things that you learn. But I want to know, like, what are some simple ways that we can update our home for the spring and the summer? Make it just fresh. And if, especially for people like me that maybe would just want to tear down some walls and redo everything, <laughs> let's maybe simplify it a little bit. What are some, some simple ways that we can redecorate? I love simple, Heidi. So <laughs> I, I mean, I try to make it as simple as possible. So there's nothing more fresh and fun to me than having some fresh fruit in a bowl. So, you know, in the summer, of course, I love to have fresh peaches. But now it, for the springtime, I would go for some lemons or limes or apples in a beautiful bowl on, on your table. And then uh, some cuttings from your yard. Now's a great time to go get a plant at the plant store and bring it inside, you know, something easy, not something that's going to be die, you know, tomorrow. So, you know, something that you have some chance of keeping alive for a while. Right. Mm-hmm. And, which, you know, I'm, I'm terrible about forgetting about my plants. And then yes, you know, a months too. later, I'm like, whoopsie, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I forgot to water you. <laughs> but anyway. Just but, get a know, new one. Anyways, that's what I, I do. <laughs> so, I know. So I try to be you know, like succulents. They don't need a lot of water. So right. that's something that might be a, a good option for you. And then, the other thing I like to use are things like a tray or a cloche. So get a tray that you love. And the beautiful thing about you having a tray is that this is something that you can add to or change up for every season. So for the spring, you can put your bowl of fruit on it, put a base, maybe some cuttings from the yard, and then your planter or a stack of books or a bottle. And then in the summer, you can change that up with more summery things. Um, you know, you put a a nest in it for spring, some birds, a little kind of, you know, little cute faux birds, something like that. And then in the fall, you can put your pine cones or pumpkins and then, um, you know, just change it up as the seasons change. Great advice. And so simple. It's something that we can do, you know, this afternoon. Or <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> That's great. Perfect. Now, you probably have a lot more advice, too, in your book. So can you tell us a little bit about, about your book, what we can find there, and then how people can get a copy? Well, French accents, farmhouse French style for today's home. Obviously, the emphasis is on French style, but it's really a general decorating book in a lot of ways because I do have a lots of decorating tips on arranging a room and putting a vignette together and 
things that would apply to a lot of different decorating styles. But really, the emphasis for me is to create a home that embraces your family and friends. To me, the whole thing, the whole purpose of decorating a home is to create a warm environment. So that's really what my focus is. And that's what everybody wants. I mean, that's more important than a grand entrance or impressing people. I, I much prefer for people to come in and feel welcome yeah. than anything else. So that's the focus on the book, and it, you can find it at Amazon. I know Target has it. If they don't have it in the store, I know they can order it or Barnes & Noble. But it's, uh, yeah, so you can definitely get it on Amazon as well. And the second, the first edition is sold out. Uh, the second edition should be available in a week or two. So it should be any time here. Oh, but it's great. already available on pre-sale on Amazon. They should be in stock here in a few weeks. Oh, wonderful. Well, that's awesome. Okay, and now, not only can we find good tips like through your book and your blog, but also through your podcast. So can you tell everyone a little bit about decorating tips and tricks? And also, congrats on hitting a million downloads, or almost hitting a million downloads, right, next month or so on your podcast? Well, actually, I think we're going to do it in about three days. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. Congratulations. That's wonderful. thank you. (laughs) And you guys have only been doing it for a year, right? That's huge. That's right. That's right. That's great. And so I do the decorating tips and tricks with Yvonne of Stone Gable and Kelly of My Soulful Home. They are such talented decorators. They're really just I, it's such a fine group. I'm so honored to be on the podcast with them. So they've got so many ideas. And really our goal is to just really get the tips heavy with tips throughout the podcast episodes. But the main thing, too, is having fun. And that's what I love when we get an email from someone and they say, I feel like I'm sitting with my friends over coffee and we're talking about my favorite subject, decorating. That's to me, that just makes my day when I get that email. But it's at decoratingtipsandtricks.com, and you can also find us on iTunes. That's awesome. Okay, so I want to end with a couple things. One, I want you to share... If there was anyone in your shoes, maybe, you know, they're where you were, where you were in engineering, but yet you had the secret life on the weekends where you're, you know, working on your passion stuff. If there's somebody out there that's listening right now in that stage, what advice would you give them? Well, the first thing is not to give up and to put blinders on and because that's what you're going to need. Secondly, ignore the mistakes. The mistakes are learning experiences. Don't see them as as dead ends, but as a bump in the road that you got to go over. And then the last thing I would say is to really, if you're a zebra in a pasture of horses, make sure you highlight your stripes. You know, make sure your zebraness is out there. Don't try to be like the other horses. You focus on what makes you unique and your voice unique and what you are bringing to the party. What a great way to end this podcast. Anita, thank you so much. And if someone wants to follow you, because I know that they will, you just gave us such great wisdom, not only just for life stuff, but decorating and everything. It was so much fun. So where can they kind of follow along with you besides your, you know, your blog, but then also your social media? I'm Cedar Hill Farmhouse on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Pinterest. So I'm, I'm all over the place. Uh, you can find me, say hi, and if you want to sh- shoot me an email, I answer my emails. I read them all myself. Anita at CedarHillFarmhouse.com. 
Awesome. Anita, thank you so much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Heidi. This was such a pleasure. You're such a wonderful, delightful person to talk with. I so much enjoyed this. Thank you so much. As a Georgia peach, she loves pleasing people, so she wants to know how she can improve the show. So let her know either on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, at Heidi Rue. Also be kind, because she's my wife. And if she has a bad day, then I'm really going to hear about it. 